5678. Welcome to 5678, a podcast about dance training. My name is Rebecca Berstold and I'm here with Ludvig Då. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> um, we are recording at Nordance in mm-hmm. Handelsand where I work and uh, Ludvig you're making a piece with us at the moment. Mm, yes, that is true. Um, we're making a piece called Vi kan göra vad du vill that premieres next week so we are getting there <laughs> slowly yes. you want to tell shortly what the piece is about the piece is about or the starting point of the research is uh, folk culture um, and uh, what that what that is and where it comes from because I started I guess we'll get into it later I started a bit I started with folk dancing as a child and uh, I don't do, I'm not part of the folk culture as uh, a grown-up or as a professional dancer or anything, but still I feel very closely connected to it, like in my my heart. (laughs) And uh, seeing how the um, a lot of right-wing winds in the, or extreme right-wing, let's say, um, extremists have sort of adopted or not adopted, uh, kidnapped or appropriated this culture was for me very strange and uh, I always experienced the folk culture as very inclusive and open and about generosity somehow uh, and community building and all of a sudden it was twisted into becoming the symbol of nationalism so we're sort of digging into that and seeing how we can um, maybe instead of trying to reclaim the folk culture from right-wing extremists we're sort of making a new folk (coughs) new folk culture that we can uh, keep changing and uh, exist in together somehow. So a respectful research starting from folk culture going into some sort of um, yeah, different uh, cultures and people and backgrounds meeting together somehow. Um, so I will start at the beginning to ask you mm-hmm. how did you start to dance? Uh, so, I grew up in Nesbyen in Norway. Uh, it's a tiny, tiny place. There's not much to do there. Uh, I wanted to play handball, but there was no handball for boys. Uh, <laughs> so I was not allowed. I have three older sisters and they were dancing. Because it was like all the girls were dancing, all the boys were playing football. And so I got into dancing through my sisters, basically. They were part of a folk dancing group called Leikaring in Norway. Norwegian so I joined that and I liked it a lot and then I so I was a little kid um, maybe like five four or five like very small Mm. Uh, and then when I was about I guess nine or something I I started doing jazz ballet which was the other (laughs) the other dance training that existed in the town what Uh, was jazz ballet I love that title (laughs) yeah it's such a good title (laughs) I mean, it's jazz dancing to pop music, and uh, but I don't know actually. How do you did you say that in Swedish? Jazz ballet? No, I don't think so. Because jazz dancing is like fifties style, right? Mm-hmm. I guess so. Jazz ballet is more sort of organized. You kind of do like tondus as a warm up, and then you wear tight clothes, but a mm. little shoe. That was called like chovjas <laughs> in Sweden. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe like show show dancing, yeah. but. Um, but it's not like the 
t- mm. this kind of jazz. It's uh, we dance to J Lo and stuff, but still with like fan kicks and you know this kind of jazz ballet we call it. And then I moved when I was twelve with my mom to a place outside of Oslo, and there I discovered other kinds of dance training because then I was very into it and I liked it a lot. So I kept doing jazz dancing there, and then I discovered also modern dancing for the first time. Um, and it was called modern, not contemporary. Very important distinction, I guess. Uh, and my teachers there told me you should try ballet. And I tried, and then I didn't really like it. But I th- thought it was very important that you have to do a lot of ballet if you want to do dancing. Like a lot of people in the Western world, I think, uh, sort of were imprinted that into our brains that ballet is the backbone of dancing. You need to first master that and then you can explore other things like this old school conviction of dancing and then all of a sudden it changed when i was about 15 i wanted to do ballet i wanted to become like the ballet prince all of a sudden i don't remember how so i wanted to go to the national ballet school in norway but the year i was supposed to start high school it was um there was no education that year uh, because they were moving buildings so I ended up applying to Sweden instead, which was very strange that I did that, thinking back, because I was only 15. But I did that and I got in. Uh, so I did the Royal Swedish Ballet School in Stockholm on the ballet like curriculum, like to become a prince. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ended up hating ballet uh, in that first year. So then I changed to the contemporary curriculum in the same school. Did finished uh, the school there for two more years. And then after that, I applied for parts uh, in Belgium, this dance school, and then I got in there and I did two years there. So, yeah. Do you remember what it was about ballet that you liked before ballet school and that you started to hate during the first year? What what, <laughs> what happened with ballet or with you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I liked very much that it was very clear like what was right and wrong. Um, which I think was for me very useful at a very young age because in other stuff I mean it was very easy to see uh, the progress somehow getting better because <laughs> uh, I was the bad the school I was in this amateur dance school um, they had this system called RAD which is like an English system where you start in like pre-elementary and when you math take an exam from there you go to the elementary and you go from there to the next so you sort of it was a bit like school and I always liked school <laughs> so it was a bit like I could tell that I got better and better and it was very easy to see that the ones that were good were good because I knew how difficult it was but in contemporary I didn't understand it I didn't understand what kind of skill set I needed and I was not so much into dancing like a, like an art form at that time it was more about training and wanting to become good I think and then I don't know, going, living in a small town and thinking that the best dancers go to the opera and uh, everyone else is not as good somehow. Mm. I don't know. I think it was just a matter of my mindset, like not knowing anything else. And then in the Royal Swedish Ballet School, it was just extreme because it's like six days a week from the morning to evening every day. School uniforms, super strict. They control everything, like what you eat. And it's like, it's crazy. Mm. Like the ballet world is. Um, and you lived alone in yeah, Stockholm, yes. fifteen years yeah. old. Uh, mm. I think I turned I turned sixteen right before I moved. Yeah, mm. but I was very young. Mm. So it was like a first time living in the city, uh, living alone, uh, new language, new country, new everything, and then just like this 
old school Hungarian Russian style school. You know, it was just too much. So I hated it. But it, but I discovered all my all the friends I got. They were in the contemporary curriculum, and they seemed to have so much fun in in class. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of my classmates were all like gray and skinny and crying all the time. So it was too rough. And then I really got into contemporary dancing. Well, obviously that's what I work with. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I think the what what very much like what I liked with ballet that you could tell what was right and wrong was what I started disliking with ballet very quickly when I realized that I'm never going to do this as well as these people who have um, who are the world famous people and it's so easy to see that they're better than me. So and all I can try to do for the rest of my life is trying to achieve this shape. Uh, it's not interesting to me. But to some people it is, I guess. And I still like ballet. I still like watching ballet, actually. Uh, if they're extremely good, because then they can actually dance and they're not just robots doing mm. it. I've had conversations both with Tillman and Anna. Mm. And we have, uh, in both conversations, got into a ballet a bit mm. and sort of landed in that the form of ballet is maybe innocent, mm. but that there is a culture yeah. in how it's being teached and how you relate to the form of ballet. Yeah. That is maybe the problem. Would you would you agree? Yes, definitely. But also interesting that you say form, because that's also what I was thinking that I, I so I'm jumping forward a bit. So after I quit the ballet curriculum, did the contemporary, then we still had ballet, you know, four five times a week or something, a lot in the in the contemporary. And I skipped so much of that. I hated it. I didn't. I was like, I'm. I went like the complete opposite way to be like, I'm never gonna do ballet in my life, and I'm just gonna roll around the floor. You know, it became that emo kid. And then in parts, I rediscovered ballet because we had Libby Farr, and uh, she was incredible. Uh, and she actually, that's the first time I realized that ballet is not only form; that it actually has. Um, you can actually use your body the same way you use your body in other kinds of dancing. You can use the weight of your arms, you can use the weight of your legs, you can use momentum. And so it became dancing to me all of a sudden. Whereas in ballet school, it was never about dancing. It was only about uh, shape and form. Mm. And um, I think once you crack that code, the, the people who manage to crack that code they're the ones that you see in the opera also because they're actually dancing. Mm -hmm. They're not just doing the shape of the... So, so I don't know how innocent the shape of ballet is <laughs> because I think it's sort of... They put that above anything else. Yeah. And, um, uh, but yeah, the, like the, the dance that is ballet, the t technique that is ballet, that is innocent. Mm. Uh, but the world is horrible. <laughs> No, in my opinion, because then I also did like a lot of internships in the opera of Stockholm. Um, did like small parts in ballets. <clears throat> it was like the kid in Nutcracker, like stuff like that. And that's when I really decided to quit because I realized that this, what I'm feeling right now, it just goes on. Like this never feeling good enough, competing with your classmates. This just is transformed into, or this is taken with you into the ballet job mm. that you just compare you're, you're always compared to your co colleagues and yeah. you're just trying to be better than them all the time and everyone's miserable and everyone no one is eating and i don't know i was just yeah. it felt so like a prison in the opera 
because mm. I got into this like if I just finish the school then you get to work but then I realized ah oh, it's this is not just the school this is the world mm. and when you change to the contemporary mm. curriculum were there less competition and less not feeling good enough yes and competing with your definitely. classmates yeah I would say so yes I think that was a much better we were a very good class also um people who we were very different and uh, so the school didn't like this group so much because they were not so easy to f- form or shape into these this sort of um, army of dancers which i think they they tend to do like they they want to create very physically strong dancers who can join a dance company they don't really produce artists who are thinking because it's also a high school so you're so young when you finish so you are very much a body with my class. I was lucky to be in a class where people were very critical to the system and critical to the teachers. And we were like a team against the school in a way, which was very good, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then you applied for parts. Yes. And how did you experience that education? Um, great, uh, in many ways. And... Uh, although I was, a, I felt a bit um, tricked <laughs> when I started because it, um, the audition was uh, a lot. Uh, there's like first uh, they have had an audition in Stockholm where it was a bunch of people, and then some of us were picked to go to the main audition that was four days in Belgium, uh, where we were a bunch of people and they kept cutting people. So that was very intense, but it was also very fun. We had like singing and theater and. Uh, uh, repertoire and uh, I mean it was a lot of things which I loved uh, but then we also had interviews where they also sort of they gave me the impression that it was more open and more free and you can choose your own pathway in parts more and it's more about like your own growth as a dance artist um, so that's why I sort of was very interested to go there and when we started it was just very much like a school it was very strict um like they're there every every class they're there to check who's there and who's not and if you miss uh, if you miss a yoga class you get like 0.3 days gone and if you have more than 4 days at the end of the year you're kicked out and it was very like strict um so i was a bit shocked that it was so strict um or strict in that way that it was like very much we were like students or like pupils i felt like mm. we were kind of treated very much as not adults in a way so that was not so nice <laughs> but what was what was nice is that they push you very they push you to to do stuff they push you to show yourself and that was not so nice in the moment but i learned so much like in the first day of school they were like within three months you all have to be on stage and show everyone and all the like every once a month i think we had these student showings where they invite everyone, like people from all over Brussels and Dancefield come and they see, and we had to do something. And I, that was a shock to just, but it helped me to, to get over this like preciousness of being, of performing mm. in a way, which was nice. And then the, inform- the first hand information that you get at this school is insane. That's, that's, that's the best, I think. I don't think parts is necessarily better or worse in other schools. I don't think it has this it has this sort of reputation of being like this high-end school i don't think that's necessarily true Uh, but it when you have like repertoire with whoever 
then that dance company comes and teaches it to, teaches it to you. So if you have, if we're going to learn a piece by Trisha Brown, then Trisha Brown's company comes. Mm. And if the same with Foresight and Bacheva and Rosas, of course, and Ultima Ves. And, and this is, I think, quite unique for this school. Which I think is also a lot about the geography of the school that is like in Brussels and everyone passes through that city to perform anyway. But um, it's never like someone who once took a workshop for someone. You know what I mean? It's mm. like it's the person who invented the technique that mm. comes to teach or the person who worked in the dance company for many, many years. That So this was really special, I think. And I learned a lot from that. Yeah. Um, I think you title yourself choreographer today. Was it like a shift mm. from uh, identifying as a dancer to identifying as a choreographer? Yeah, actually, it's really funny. Like recently, because I, I was a dancer always, and then uh, I made my first piece, like apart from student work and solo, some solos here and there. I made like a piece for myself, like the first time I got funding and I did a proper solo for Moderna Museet and everything. That was in 2011. I got the money in 2010. And then I remember putting on my CV like dancer and choreographer. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, this is so like embarrassing, but like two years ago, after I did a piece, this piece for Kulberg, I swapped the <laughs> order of those two words. <laughs> So now in my CV it says choreographer and dancer. And Kulber was the sort of... Yeah, I'm like, now I can call myself <laughs> So stupid. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. Now here in Nordans, I'm very much a choreographer. And that's very new to me. Um, I... Well, actually, yeah, well, three years ago already. Four years ago. Anyway, I made a... The first time I made a piece that I was not in... Hmm. And uh, that was a huge shift and very strange, but also very fun. I loved it. And since then, now I'm trying to find my way into my own pieces again, kind of. But I still very much work as a dancer also. So mm. I sort of combined the two. But less and less dance jobs for <clears throat> for people that I don't know. Like I have a few people that still work with me as a dancer because we've been working for years. But yeah, I choreograph more than I dance and it's something I also want to do I uh, I like it uh, I think I'm more interested in the in dancing uh, in experiencing dancing than maybe dancing myself I think mm. yeah but I love dancing I mean and I love I love dance so much <laughs> but, but uh, so I really want to I really want to work with dance but um but I think I'm maybe not interested enough to keep myself going, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not the person who goes into the studio and explores what my uh, elbows can do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because every dance does that. <laughs> no, but I respect very much uh, people who who do that and who are very into like their own bodily experience of it. Yeah. And I think I realized at some point a few years ago that I'm more interested in what that experience that you're you're having, what that produces for me, yeah. than what it produces in my own body, I think. <laughs> Which I also don't think every choreographer is as concerned with as you are. Like you have a de- very yeah. uh, dear relationship to your audience. Yeah, mm. very much. I really... 
Yeah, always. Which is also something I think I'm now I'm getting into. It's it's changing a bit, but I. I think I was more. Uh, I've always been like audience comes first almost for me, and the or the situation like I always think about it as a situation that I create with the audience, but that they are equally much as much there as I am. So to or that the dancers are or whatever. So, and the point of it is that they are there like the meeting the meeting point between the audience and the dance and the dancers uh, that's what I find interesting about dance I'm not so interested in also for example like I don't like social dancing so much like I don't dance when I'm out for example <laughs> which is strange um, but I love see watching people dancing <laughs> I don't know it's uh, um, so I think I'm sometimes too quick when i create i'm too quick in thinking what does this produce for for another body that, than mine mm-hmm. rather than thinking like what kind of movement am i exploring i'm thinking like what am i producing for someone else which mm-hmm. is tricky but i think what am i producing come uh, for someone else needs to come from a, a genuine feeling within my body you know what i mean yeah like the whole doing not showing but inviting being seen very deborah (laughs) (laughs) Deborah always says that invite being seen um this was like a huge shift for me that's i was like oh my god that's what i'm doing that's Mm. exactly what i want to do and thank you for putting words on that i i do something and i invite you to see it i'm not so interested if there's no one there to see it somehow but also, I'm not doing it, I'm not showing you. I'm not doing it for you, but it, the important thing is what's in between us. Like, mm. what's the meeting point? It's just a way of meeting for me. The dance and the dancer meeting someone else. Man, I'm babbling, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, thinking about all your training mm-hmm. that you now told us about, and like training that you had also later in your mm. dance life. Um, what are you thankful for that your dance training has been training? Oh my god, so much. Mm? So many things. I think it's insane how little in touch with their bodies normal people are. (laughs) I don't know, you must have the same, like when you're with your family or other friends. Mm. And um, I mean, it's not about, again, not about better or worse, but I can sometimes be like, how are you walking like that? Or how Mm. are you not? uh, How, of course you have pain in your shoulders because look at how you sit or Mm. whatever, like these kind of things. I'm very, like just the general awareness of my body and my, me being able to understand how my body is feeling and, and sort of, localize something except for your missing rib (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) side note I lost the rib (laughs) but I'm good I'm fine (laughs) I'm gonna find it again it's somewhere in there (laughs) Uh, no but you know what I mean like this general sort of understanding of of body uh, that I'm very 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 grateful for and also like the ability of being consumed by that because I've had the conversation with some friends that have no dance training mm. like can you feel your uh, shoulder and they said like yeah of course I mean, can you like really feel your shoulder yeah 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 what about it for sure yeah mm. and um i don't know because 
I think I had like a certain a couple of like these aha moments like when I understood understood I understood a lot of like what I'm interested in um, artistically when I with Deborah like my own dancing in relation to uh, creating uh, with Deborah Hay uh, but also when I did Alexander technique in parts we had like private lessons with a teacher uh, that I did like twice a week or something for a few months. Um, which was great. Uh, that w- that for me was also very much like, wow, okay, how to implement my own sort of awareness of my body into my everyday life. And I think I took it overboard a bit, like sitting in the subway, like feeling my sit bones and my spine. But I don't know, before that, I think I was kind of naive in thinking like, my dance training is my dance training. And then my rest of my life, I have a civilian body yeah. somehow. <laughs> pedestrian body but then to see how much it uh, how much of my dance training I can use just for my physical health I think is very that has really been helpful for me and um, or not for just me for everyone I guess but so that's one thing um, I'm also very thankful for spatial awareness that I get through dancing that is also another thing that I'm like when I look at people who are not trained um as dancers or who have not not even all dancers have that depending on your training Mm. but for me the sort of being aware of my surroundings um, and also this is going to sound like a voodoo thing but it also makes me I think I'm more aware of other people's feeling and emotion and energy also through my dance training that you can and so it also helps me socially to sort of um, adapt or to figure out like how how, what's the energy of this room when you walk into a room? I think that also comes from dance training mm. for me. So spatial awareness and um, energies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. very much. And what about you? Yeah, yeah. What, is, what about you? This is supposed to be about me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but my main thing that I always speak about is this, like the spatial awareness oh, and yeah. and the, like how consumed you can be just by the proximity of things yes like yeah. feeling the distance between things and yeah. that i can sense space also outside of my body yeah i think exactly. that's so intense yeah me too it's uh, and uh, and you really get reminded that this is something you can train or just tap into or become aware of when you realize how many people are not tapped into it yeah. like stupid things like walking in the streets or standing in a bus or whatever yeah. then i'm like wow or yeah it's uh, it's fascinating to me how people are not aware of their surroundings somehow and another thing that i've realized in relation to people without dance training mm. is how much i identify with my body mm. the feeling that i am my body yeah and how i can hear people talking about their body almost as an obstacle Mm. Or just as a something container that they live inside of. Uh, yeah. As if they identify themselves as something else than their body. Mm. Which I think I do less due to dancing. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think also the... Um, um, it's, it's just general awareness, I guess, of your body and its functions and blah, blah, blah. But also what I sometimes talk about in during work or in class or whatever the um, i think also as dancers you are you're more aware of your body as a total instrument 
Um, so I also feel more, I can also f like stupid games, like thinking about the different senses, for example, for me. And that's another thing that I'm shocked about with people that they don't have the sensory um, awareness sometimes of uh, what am I touching, what am I hearing, what am I smelling, what am I tasting, what am I seeing, like this whole package mm. that it, I really think that the vision is like so superior to other senses today in society. And I find it strange that that's the case. And um, I can also be and how also the senses inform each other. Like when I see someone touching something, I can get a sensor, sensoric, whatever he, he pronounced that, uh, experience, which I think also you can just tap into and people to just see the world more flatly mm. than what I do, yeah. I think. Or strange. like it tap into or train. It yeah. can be trained. Yeah, I think maybe that's the, a better, more correct way to say it. Yeah, mm. because we're so used to that, like how does this body feel to touch how does it feel to be touched how does it feel you know yeah. all these and you are also as dancers you have seen the most you've been on top of each other literally and had like <laughs> you know people's genitals in your face kind of i mean it's you it's this whole body experience and also the proximity and being used to physical touch and the power of physical touch and um oh yeah so much so many things that i'm <laughs> thankful for that i um or maybe more like sad for others that they don't have <laughs> <laughs> yeah this became really like what uh, people without dance training don't have yeah but yeah but thank you dance training yeah thank you um here at nordans mm. we have these 45 minutes uh, in the morning that we have oh, yeah. to warm up for ourselves and after these 45 minutes, we have one and a half hour morning class. And uh, it's funny to see my colleagues and the different approaches everyone has to these 45 minutes. Mm. Um, so one of our colleagues, Nastia, she has this set routine that she does every morning, no matter what. <laughs> and I think she finds her space within that routine. And for a person like me, I'm a more starting whatever moving, dancing around, finding things I'm interested in, staying with those, mm. whatevering on, finding something else. And um, I wanted to ask you how your relationship is to warm up and also what you think a good warm up needs. Hmm. Um, I never, never had a routine for warming up I and I never liked it. And yeah, I hate warming up basically. <laughs> I, I think it's... But it is it does do a difference to you when you do it. But I just I think it's a matter of routine that I never found a routine. I never I don't know. I have no idea how to answer this question. <laughs> but um I'm very happy when I can take a class, for example, and mm. someone can just tell me what to do. And then I can then I can know if it was good or bad for me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. But being I don't know, I think it's again about um yeah, routine and some sort of discipline and um, it's al always so different for me what I need daily mm. so again back to the ballet also it's something that is crazy that you do the same thing every day mm. and it feels different also every day because sometimes you are more or less tired blah, blah, blah. and so so often in ballet class I felt like oh this is not what I need today and 
but this is what you have to do. And f- like apparently for Nastya, for example, this works to have mm. a set routine because maybe it brings her into the mindset, like you said. But I don't know. And when I do a warm up, when I um, the the last thing on my mind is to get like um, the blood pumping. <laughs> uh, maybe just because I'm lazy, but I don't know. But uh, that is, if you think about the word literally, it is like to warm up your body yeah. to get like to get a pulse or to sweat a bit and stuff. And of course, that is important. I don't want to say it's not important, but for me, it's much more about like starting the body, the system somehow. And so I do like um, the stuff you've done in class, I guess, like feeling my my sacrum, uh, feeling my uh, shoulder blade, uh, but, uh, like aligning my spine, like these kind of things to sort of feel that I uh, I can go through my body like joint-wise, which is very releasing and partsy, I guess. But that's for me more important because then I feel like if I'm aligned, then mm. I can be ready to start whatever training. Um, but if I'm not aligned, I feel like I might hurt myself or something or mm. injure myself or <laughs> <laughs> yeah but alignment whatever that means I guess yeah. um, I had uh, Martin Gilvadi and mm. he was sort of the first person who confronted me with warm up and yeah. like take this time and do something with it but he also spoke about all the layers that you potentially could warm up mm. that it's not just your muscles or even physical body, mm. but it's your responsibility to warm up your interest and yes. your mm, presence and yeah. these uh, things. Your fa- he speaks about warming up your imagination, which I think was really nice. Oh, How wow. do I warm up my imagination? Oh, wow. Mm. And, yeah, like a little... Pause to fangirl over Martin Kilvadi. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what a beautiful dancer. Um, yeah. So, okay, good. I'll take that tip from him. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That Martin. sounds very smart, actually. Yeah. I never thought about that. <laughs> but of course, I think about, I mean, in general, like, I guess I think about, like, what do I need to get ready for the day? But to think about it, maybe that's a helpful thing to think about it step by step. Like, now I'm going to work on my imagination or work or warm up my. Yeah, my presence. Yeah, because my... Uh, I'm going to steal I, that completely. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Because my little, I wouldn't call it routine, but my warm-up method is also from him. Because he told me once to like dance around to remind yourself what you're interested in. So ah, you start yeah. wherever, whatever, but you're looking for things that you find interesting. Mm. That's something I actually do a lot also, um, improvising for warming up. Mm. And it, but I also find it a bit embarrassing if I'm in big groups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm impatient when I'm warming up. I have a very hard time like slowing myself down to do like exercises. It's more easy for me to like the alignment work. Yes, but also like to just dance around. I I, I appreciate that mm. a lot. Am I right to say that you like release technique? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I do. Um, could you tell us about release technique? Um, what can I tell you about release technique? Um, I'm no expert in it. And I think 
release technique, I'm actually, uh, I might be wrong. Like, so the my training in parts, for example, and even in the ballet school, they said that it was release technique, but then that was not release technique, <laughs> I realized when I got to parts. Um, but then there was also this understanding of release technique to be this wave, this technique that came from like the, uh, the US, like this postmodern way of dancing, like New York in the 60s uh, style. Judson Church uh, that sort of gave birth to, uh, you know, Trisha Brown and that era. And then the Kersmaker went there and learned that. And so did, uh, you know, Yvonne Rayner, all these people. Uh, or she was part of the original crew. But I think it's uh, it comes from the the same way you see postmodernism in art when sort of the skills were put on question when you had like Marcel Duchamp putting the urinal and called it a fountain or whatever like to to uh, but it always came from people who were like who were able to do amazing things but they chose to do this thing like John Cage not playing the piano or whatever and I think in dance that became using pedestrian movements uh, so movements that any body could um could execute or do uh, but you still had like trained dancers who did these movements uh, as a sort of way to sort of uh, as a middle finger to ballet and to training and to virtuosity I think but then that then developed into a technique that, that now is very virtuous I think very much about skill uh, but I think it comes from, I might be completely wrong, but I think I think it comes from pedestrian moving. Uh, so not showing that you're working hard. Yeah. <laughs> again. Uh, and then you realized that uh, actually you can work very hard on not working, on not showing that you're working hard. And um, that's where it comes from. And so um, it's a very like about alignment, about the weight of your body, about using the natural weight, uh, about using sequencing like and momentum. One body part dropping leads to another body part picking up that energy and using it. So sort of being um, economical with your own energy. So sort of like produce energy and then ride that wave for as long as you can. So you don't have to constantly reinitiate um, the momentum like um, I think that's release technique for me that's, it's very yeah energy efficient I think mm. um, energy effic- efficient and riding the momentum I guess I also had some sort of understanding that older dancers dancers that have been working for many many years it feels like they they kind of emerge after a while like the different dance trainings if you are a person that uses your uses their body every day you your body sort of teaches you how to find your way and become more energy efficient in a way so i feel like a lot of the teachers we had that were amazing beautiful dancers and they were all in their 40s even though they had different trainings they had kind of a similar approach to body which i found very interesting um so uh, I think that made me think that maybe this release technique is like this 
a smart way of dealing with body because it seems like people end up kind of in that area if they just keep dancing for many years and since then i've been looking at also older ballet dancers and the people that i find incredible at ballet the ones that can really dance it and have been doing it for years they're also kind of releasey in their technique actually uh, and able to to uh, let one thing lead into another and people who are not as good it's like every new movement they have to initiate from zero you know mm. what i mean mm. so i think um yeah part is like hyper hyper awareness of your body like to an overload like having having like alexander technique mixed with anatomy and body work and like spending three hours finding your psoas muscle you know that kind of intense nerd thing uh, and really retraining your body to use the correct muscles so to not let the big muscle groups take over um to really like spend weeks finding the real turnout in ballet rather than using your uh, quads or your thighs front thighs or the butt cheeks to turn out and and it's very much about like only use the necessary muscles and let go of any other muscle because mm -hmm. that the other muscles are just blocking your movement possibilities because they are blocking the joints uh, so it's very much about that like being efficient and also then you'll be much more tired after an hour of dancing if you constantly are engaging all your muscles so mm. only use what's necessary somehow I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah does that make sense? that's realistic thing to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally. and it has actually helped me like I haven't since I started doing all this technique i haven't been injured ever which mm. is something i think might be like the proof that i needed because mm. i was I had injuries before when i did ballet because ballet is also horrible but yeah does that make sense yes absolutely <laughs> There's something about style yeah that I want to ask you um, because now when we work on Vikiana Vaudeville the mm. performance we're making um, in the process you have this way of making phrases um, so that we almost lose um, track of authorship yeah like we um, have these procedures that we yeah. take the material through several times where we make versions and interpretations of each other's yeah. material. Um, but in relation to these procedures that we yeah. do, is there an uh, aim to sort of lose um, yes. style? or yes. Th there is. Uh, yeah. And that's... Um, um, Lose style? I don't know. Lose taste? I don't know. But mm. lose habits. That's my mm. my main thing. As soon as I started uh, making, I immediately f tried to make um, 
techniques or methods or ways to trick myself out of my habits because it's so boring like you how many hours in your life have you improvised in class and stuff it's so boring not necessarily but to me i was like i need i need someone to give me something and i I love it when you surprise yourself and when you or when you come, come out of your habits or you all of a sudden your body is producing stuff that you don't know how that happened somehow i love that but to get there i need very specific um, methods or tasks or like we all do and so that's sort of my entrance point always to just start from whatever and then you have all these set methods and techniques and tasks to that you apply to it again and again and again so that the material goes away from how you would normally move if you just sort of danced whatever in an impro class I don't know, do you think the, the dance, the, the dance in the piece we make? It's very different from the dance phrase that I made for you in class, for example. Yeah, but how I wanted to ask you about how do you make a phrase for class? Is that different? Or is that phrase, has that also been through many versions? Yes. Yeah. Um, that, uh, I, can, I can like to make a phrase for class um, that has because that I'm much less precious about it because it's like what kind of body am I suggesting in this training so what and if the class is built up like this what kind of dance phrase would be nice to do where these things we talk about are easily implemented into the phrase where you can sort of see the things I'm talking about or suggesting as sort of ideas in how to relate to your body in a very basic way when you do these exercises that are super basic how can we sort of and now we try it in practice somehow and uh, so then I make a phrase that is very then ha- then that's the task for me so like make a phrase that implements the stuff you talk about mm. and then that can already give me something but to just like I was never able to just make a dance even in dance school I could never do that I needed someone to tell me like make a dance where you can only you know use your knees and top of your head then i could find it super interesting but Mm. just like make a dance i couldn't ever do that so this dance for example because trisha brown is obviously my queen (laughs) and britney and beyonce but uh uh, this is based on a trisha phrase um when i was working as a dancer in a piece i was told to make uh, a Trisha like dance solo and uh, then I was I took a solo that she does called water pass water something it's on YouTube it's motor water motor yeah and it's fabulous I love this yeah, solo. I love this piece. I love it so much <laughs> and um, I took that video and I put it into a video uh, program and I arbitrarily cut it up and put parts backwards and again and changed the order of the piece. And then I looked at it and I learned whatever I could quickly. Um, I looked at it in this my new version and then I took whatever movements I could find that I could memorize and I tried to do them through my memory. And then I built a phrase from that, like adding details to that. Um, so that's something you can do to make a dance. <laughs> uh, I like these things to like look at someone dancing and then like try to copy them immediately or mm. and then do that again and again and again until it sort of becomes a dance. Mm. 
because like standing up and like starting to make a phrase yeah. that's so tricky <laughs> it's so hard yeah which is, i don't know why though it's what no. we do every day but and it's what at least i when i started to dance it was all i did like making yeah, dances right? to music yeah but then there was really a period a struggle period of yeah. not being able to make a dance yeah, yeah. but I th- but i think that um also when i teach like workshops um Oh, you took my workshop in yeah. Copenhagen. Yeah. I think it's very fun and very easy to make dance if you have a dance. <laughs> yeah. That's the and that's sort of the premise that I teach. Like take whatever dance and uh, learn it from YouTube or whatever. And uh, if you then find ways to twist and turn it and change it, and then all of a sudden a new dance can appear that you like or not like, and you just I cannot work from nothing, but I can take, I can really take whatever dance and mm. then work with that. Yeah. And this I, yeah, this is something I think is important to just start, start from something and then anything can be anything yeah. somehow. But um, because this we were taught in parts, um, what was it called? Motif. <laughs> do we have like Anna Teresa de Kersmaker Rosa's uh, queen she has that the motive I don't know why it's it's so pretentious it's a motive but spelled with an F in the end motive <laughs> 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 and we had to work with like make a mo- motif uh, which was like a short dance phrase uh, whatever mm. just make a, a motif and then this is your starting point for mm. anything you will do. And this, he was like, if you make a dance that is 30 seconds, I can teach you how to make it into an hour. Mm. Um, and then she has uh, like a catalog of ways to how to do it, you know, to make it into a floor version, make it into a big version, a small version, add jumps, uh, um, do it backwards, uh, repeat it, repeat one movement at a time, like all of these like very compositional tools. Yeah. But I sort of... I might not have liked all of her tools, but I liked the idea of like, as long as you have something, you can just always come back to that and just add and dis- and subtract and change and manipulate it into other stuff. Yeah, and it creates like a different relationship to creating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that is important. This is maybe not so much dance training, but like as a choreographer thing uh, I don't I don't like to feel that things are coming from me that it's like my vision coming alive so I think um, but I love to just to do these things to just add and change and blah 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 and then I don't feel like I'm creating this thing that we are just doing it together and we're playing around and then it becomes something somehow yeah yeah but st- What's the question? Style? <laughs> we started it with yeah. style and how uh, to make a phrase. How to make a phrase, yeah. I say just make one. Yeah. <laughs> from something. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I do because I couldn't make it from nothing. But uh, definitely, um, maybe you can make it from nothing also, but basically just make something that you're very unprecious about. Like, don't be precious and don't ever think that what movement you're making now is what you're gonna is what gonna be the, that's gonna be a piece later 
that's when I get blocked. If I'm yeah. like, this is going to be performed for an audience, then I cannot move. Uh, but then, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, as soon as yeah. you make something that is supposed to be something, then yeah. I cannot make it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. just like, blah, then, and then blah can become something nice, I think, if you just start, yeah, just keep working on it and with it and change it and manipulate yeah. it. And... Anything else you want to know? <laughs> um, we're coming to my last question. Um, the question is, what is a good dancer? Hmm. Or as Anna Grip rephrased it, what does a good dancer do? Oh. Oh, that's two different questions somehow. Interesting. Um, then I guess the is it according to me? Or mm. okay. Because obviously, again, then you get into style and taste, I guess. Of course. Um, yeah. With style and taste, mm. you can answer. <laughs> I think, uh, and also I think it's very different in terms of a dancer and performer. I think those are two very different things. Because I can think someone can be a beautiful physical dancer without being a good performer and vice versa. But uh, I don't, for me personally, I don't think a good physical dancer that is a bad performer is a good dancer. <laughs> <laughs> I think dancing um, dancing in the setting that we are dancing as a profession and as an art form when you are sharing it with people, I think that moment of sharing uh, is so important. Get, of course you can be a great dancer in uh, social dancing or club dancing or uh, and then it doesn't matter your performance skills are maybe not so important but in what we do I think performance skills are very important whatever that means but um, and there I would say uh, I'm taking, taking this very seriously this question Good. <laughs> um, there I would say um, ability to um, ability to adapt um, and to stay ability to stay interested um, and genuine in your approach to something that sounds very pretentious but um, in terms of pre in terms of uh, performativity I think because obviously performativity there's no such thing as one good way to perform and one bad way to perform but um, being able to adapt and change like the space in your head where you can sort of perform things in the way that the material needs you to perform. Uh, that I think is a good performer, someone who can be open to realizing how this should be performed and not have one way of performing any uh, everything. Um, Responding to context, yes, sort of. Yes, I think that's important. Mm. And within a one piece, maybe, um, maybe something requires a more theatrical approach, uh, performance-wise. Maybe something is all about your surroundings. Maybe something is very much about you. Maybe sometimes you have to project. Maybe sometimes you don't have to project. Uh, and these are, of course, of course, a discussion with if you're making it yourself or with someone you're making it with. But being able to um, change your way of being, 
I would say. And um, yeah, good dancer. Of course, then I have taste in how people dance. You yeah, know? that's also nice to hear. Yeah, I mean, of course, I like certain. I don't know. I was never so interested in contacting bro. I was never very interested in floor work. And so that's also, again, a taste thing, I imagine. And a style thing. I think sometimes when I look at my own pieces, I'm like, oh my god, it's just like... I am damaged by ballet. It's always a vertical body. It's like uh, pretending to fly, like with a lot of energy at the top of their head. But that's just sort of what I like, I guess. <laughs> but so I... And that's when I... that Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think, I don't know, am I answering the question? <laughs> <laughs> what is, okay, so what is a good dancer? Yeah, that's one thing. What does a good dancer do? Um, a good dancer um, produces a presence, I think. A good dancer is here and now, uh, very much. Uh, responding to the, situ the exact situation you're in so you're not doing what you did yesterday or what you are going to do tomorrow depending on the people that are around you depending on the audience the vibe the um, I don't like to see dance shows when it feels like I'm in the movies when it feels like they are doing exactly the same every day uh, I like it when it feels alive, when it feels like it's happening now. And uh, I think some dancers are just better at tapping into that, of making me feel like we are here together. Uh, me as an outsider and you as an insider. And sometimes I feel like I'm outside and you are showing me that I'm outside because mm. you are pretending to be somewhere else. And that's not my taste. When you're a dancer yourself, do you mm. have any like strategy how to be here and now and produce that sort of we are here together feeling? Um, <clears throat> yes, I think so. And it's all from Deborah Hay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe not. But um, it's, of course, very much also a um, style and a taste. And um, yeah. She talks very much. For me, this invite being seen was for me like a huge um, performance skill um, that I never, I never project. But for me, like when I started doing contemporary, I thought that the opposite of the balletic expression that is very theatrical and very projected and very frontal, the opposite of that was being very introverted, mm. like sort of not like i don't do it for you i'm not performing for you i'm performing for myself so i'm pretending like you're not here <laughs> which is a very clear like response to or to that to the other side of it but deborah sort of opened me up for a, a feeling of being aware of your surroundings and the audience but it's not about me showing you but it's about me being aware that you are there and i invite you to experience what i'm experiencing um, so that is something I think about every time I perform, invite being seen. Uh, and uh, move your fucking head, it's also very Deborah. I never choreograph uh, face or head. Um, I always want that to be an open thing that you can see where you see. 
Um, and then you have the seeing, not looking that I always talk about also. It's actually not Deborah. I don't know where that comes from. But, <clears throat> and I think that for me is just something that reminds me of not projecting, like not staring at anything, but um, sort of take your vision a step back. And this for me is a way of uh, also inviting the surroundings into me rather than me like pushing myself onto my surroundings. Um, invite being seen, basically. <laughs> and what if where I am is exactly where I need to be? Mm. It's also never. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's a good note to end on, Deborah Hay. Yes, always good. Queen. <laughs> um, I think the next um, <coughs> guest will be Martin Forsberg. Mm. Do you have any question for him, or any topic that you would like me to ask him about? Um. Maybe yeah. The thing we talked about just before we started recording, um, specificity of movement. What does that mean to him? And um. Uh, yeah maybe just that yeah okay thank you so much for coming thank you see you at work tomorrow yes (laughs) and thank you whoever is listening yeah goodbye eight seven six five